Good morning. Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. Our service this morning will be led by the Senior High School Youth Group. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and welcome persons of all religions, ethnic and racial origins, sexual orientations, abilities, and other circumstances. We extend a special welcome to the visitors this morning. We're glad you're here with us, although we can't be in the same space. Unitarian Universalists come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in every human. In the spirit of that heritage, let us connect to the divine in our midst by greeting each other in the Facebook comments or simply sensing the connections between us. Join me in saying the words by which we light our chalice, which are written in your order of service. This is the flame that we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggles become our salvation. The Shiny New by Isla Ferguson The silence of a darkened room, blackout curtains drawn, a late sunrise, an early sunset, an early sunrise, a late sunset. The denim waistband of two tight jeans digging into a soft stomach. Choppy bangs, uneven parts, long hair once short, short hair once long. Typing, lots of typing, staring at a screen. Seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months. Refreshing and unplugging turning off and on again transitions and questioning new days and old unrest the rain subsides growing into sticky heat and sinking into gentle cold with the turning of the leaves births birthdays weddings deaths so many deaths uncountable loss Loss of love, loss of hope, loss of life. But love persists. Virtual weddings and virtual dates. Long phone calls to make up for long absence. Joyous cries of hello across neighboring fences. Smiles under masks and face shields and goggles and scarves. Unspoken whispers and shouts of support. But hope persists, efforts to find hope, good news amongst the bad, thankful and grateful for what we have, helping others as best we can, looking to the next sunrise. But life persists, life flourishes like a flower growing from the concrete, the cries of a newborn, small new clothes, even smaller fingers and toes. Virtual meetings, greeting life. A glimpse of the shiny new through the tired old. People often ask what holds Unitarian Universalists together. We all find inspiration in different religious traditions, Judaism, Christianity, Paganism, Buddhism, Hinduism, and many others. 
As Unitarian Universalists of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin, we find unity in our mission statement, which we say together. Today, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Today, we'll be reading Little Joe Chickapig by Brian Calhoun. Little Joe Chickapig. Chickapig, noun. An animal hybrid that is half chicken and half pig. Little Joe Chickapig lived on a farm, a farm full of Chickapig and Chickapig charm. For Little Joe Chickapig, still just a boy, the farm full of Chickapigs brought him no joy. He dreamed of new places beyond the fields, sailing vast oceans with swords and with shields. He hoped he'd find courage to follow his heart, but how could he do it? How could he start? The Chickapig farm was all that he knew, with the crops and the fields and the cows that pooed, and birds and bees and horses and goats. So why was he dreaming of castles and moats? Joe had an old grandpa, brave and bold, a Chickapig hero who broke the mold. Joe had an old grandpa, a sailor of seas, a Chickapig hero who lived so free. But how, how, how did he go? How did he do it? How did he know to follow his heart against the tide? How did he do it? The young Chickapig cried. I'll tell you a tale, his mother said. I'll tell you a tale before I put you to bed. Grandpa back then, he was scared too. Grandpa back then did not know what to do. Grandpa had heard a story told of a great big bear who broke the mold. The bear was tired of striking fear in all who saw him, all who came near. The bear had learned quite a skill to heal the sick and those who struck ill. A doctor he became, my son, to heal the wounds of everyone. And those who used to run away now stood before him every day. The bear saw patients one by one. Never again would anyone run. The bear became a friend, you see, to every creature beneath the trees. But how, how, how did he go? How did he do it? How did he know to follow his heart against the tide? How did he do it? Joe Chickapig cried. The bear found courage from the strangest place. He'd heard of, of a mouse who went to space. The mouse, she traveled to the moon and Mars. The mouse, she traveled amongst the stars. Her ship, it soared from Earth to space. But in that world, she found her place. But how, how, how did she go? How did she do it? How did she know to follow her heart against the tide? How did she do it? The young Chickapig cried. The mouse she'd heard a story told of a fire young dragon, brave and bold. The dragon was known across the land. She gave up her kingdom to join a band. She sang her song, she strummed her guitar. Her music was heard near and far. But how, how, how did she go? How did she do it? How did she know to follow her heart against the tide? How did she do it? The young Chickapig cried. There was a warrior from that land back before the dragon's band. He was a 
chick a pig just like you, filled with wonder and feeling blue. Tired of shields and swords to wield, he laid down his weapons and planted a field. The Chickapig farm became all that he knew, with its crops and its fields and its cows that pooed, and birds and bees and horses and goats, and never a thought of castles or moats. Now, Joe, my child, I hope you see, follow your dreams, whatever they be. And one day in the future, when you are old, your very own story just might be told. Trust Walk by Rihanna Johnson Levy. My high school years were speckled with trust walks. In my Unitarian Universalist youth group at the First UU Congregation of Ann Arbor, each year the incoming freshmen were given blindfolds and a partner. They were led out into the dark with only hands on their shoulders to guide them. When it was my turn to be blindfolded, I found, while stumbling over gravel in the parking lot and trudging up the hills behind my church, that despite all the efforts to fool me, the whole time I knew exactly where I was. This was ground I knew. Before even pressing down my foot, I knew exactly how much earth would get beneath me. I knew I was safe. I trusted the people around me, but it was easy. I knew I could have gotten along without them. After high school, I moved away for college and was looking for the belonging that I had found at home. I joined a poetry group, and our first meeting included an initiation ceremony that reminded me of my youth group trust walks. The evening started with a scavenger hunt around town and culminated in a trust walk. Blindfolded by the more senior members, I could not orient myself in the dark. For the first time in my life, I was truly lost. In this new town, I barely knew where I was, with my eyes open. When I allowed a new acquaintance to guide me, I truly gave them control. (laughs) Growing up, I was fortunate to be able to find the ground I loved and the people I connected to at church. When I moved, the trauma of leaving such a beautiful home led me to be incredibly insecure for my first few weeks away. Once, when I introduced myself, person I was meeting told me, you say Ann Arbor like it's the center of the universe. To me, it was. It was how I related myself to the world. It was where my friends lived. I believed I could not love the people in my new home the same way. They hadn't watched me stumble through adolescence. They would never really know me. I felt that I was living away from where my life truly was. I only started to adjust when the fall colors began to paint the trees around me. I found a sense of familiarity in the season. Time had not stopped, even though little else in life felt continuous. When I took a second to fall in love with fall, I started taking time to fall in love with the people around me. I began to discover the ways in which my new friends were similar to my old friends, and to appreciate the ways in which they were different. I learned to be comfortable with not always recognizing the similarities. People kept telling me, that in order to make the most of this time, I must live like I am dying. I find this idea constricting because so much of the idea of dying for me involves being my final, complete self, the person I want to grow into. This self, who loves her values perfectly and only creates beauty, is quite far away from who I am now. Instead of trying to achieve that impossible state, I am letting go for now. 
By allowing myself to trust the future and the change that comes with it, I get to stop and question. I do not need to rush. Today I'm with new people, learning new norms and new definitions of everything I thought I understood. I'm learning to take steps forward without knowing whether the ground will hold me. I do not look down to search for familiarity, but instead look forward to the seasons ahead and to the inevitable change and growth. This is the sound of summer to me. This is my backyard, where all of the backyard things live. The cicadas coming and going as they please. My neighbor's pool pump running. Lizards and leaves scattering over the ground. The noise of other animals existing in this space that I have occupied. This is the background noise for my summer. For every summer I have lived. What does the summer sound like to you? What noises frame your existence? What do you tune out because it's always there? is at the end of my words sometimes. Running turns into running and going turns into going or fixing if I'm feeling particularly southern. I say ain't and y'all a lot. (laughs) I don't quite have a drawl but my mouth creates a distinctly southern melody. Little quirks and lilts have been steeped into it like sugar and sweet tea. I've been listening to that melody, my accent more often lately. I was wondering why, after all, it represents a place I can't wait to get out of, and I realized it's because it's the one part of home I know I will take with me when I leave. I'm going up to Massachusetts in college for the fall, and even though I'll miss home, I couldn't be more excited. I can't wait to explore new horizons and find new communities. I also can't wait to escape the Texas heat. I think a lot of things about Texas are contained in how its heat feels. It feels like mosquitoes biting up your legs every time you step outside, and tomato plants staggering through their last days of fruit. 
and popsicles melting down your hand until the sticky syrup combines with the puddle of a human you become because it's too hot to do anything. Feels like slow, lazy days spent taking shelter in air conditioning. It's not all bad, though. The heat may drive cockroaches inside and make reservoirs dry up, but sometimes it feels like catching lightning bugs as the sun sets to rest and chasing ice cream trucks with your friends, and basking in the glory of sunrises and crepe myrtles. It feels like the smell of brisket smoking. Where I'm going, they don't have crepe myrtles, or brisket, or real sweet tea. I think part of why I'm clinging to my accent is because it feels like home. The cadence of my speech has been adopted through the years as I reflect those around me. It is nurtured into me through the inherent human nature of wanting to connect to others. I wonder how it will change when I move up north. There, the tempo of language is quick and busy. Where my words are languid in the heat, there's huddled together to hide from the cold. They say, you guys, or use guys, instead of y'all. When I leave home, will my words tumble over each other? Will I stop neglecting my G's? One thing I know for sure is I will not stop saying y'all. They can mess up sweet tea in Texas all day long, but they can pry that word out of my cold, dead hands. Honestly, I am scared that my accent will change. I'm scared to lose it. Even though I learned it from my environment, it feels like a fundamental part of my being. It connects me to my roots. I know that if it changes, it will come with change for me. As I'm nourished with new wisdom, friends, and experiences, I will shift, and my accent probably will too. I'll be around different people, and it will be reflected in my voice. Even though that is pretty anxiety-inducing, I'll let it. After all, isn't it human nature to change? And I do get some choice in how I grow and how I let myself be nurtured. For example, I am holding on to y'all. Between the power of free will and how intertwined nature and nurture are, it's really hard to sort out how I feel about all these changes coming up. Right now, it does feel like giving up the environment I've been in my entire life is giving up part of my nature. And I certainly will lose parts of myself when I go. However, it will be because of finding new parts of myself. Maybe parts of my nature that are uncharted territory. And it will be because I'm letting myself be nurtured. It seems scary, but fundamentally, I am someone who seeks connection with growth wherever I can find it, who seeks connection with others wherever I can find it. It helps me to find my truth and meaning. So I will be sad if my accent changes, but it will be because I am honoring my nature, because I am honoring who I am by finding new connections to others, by allowing myself to grow and learn things, and by allowing myself to be nurtured. It will be because 
nature and nurture are intertwined. And I love my accent, whether it represents the land of blistering heat and blue bonnets or the land of blizzards and elderberries. And I will always hold on to the part of me that is here, but I'm excited to leave too. I hope that you all can find love in your accents. Thank you. Hey, um, I'm Bev. I work with the high school youth. Um, I was asked to make a homily, so I was going to talk about how things went. Uh, right off the bat, I want to mention I never got around to making sourdough bread. I wonder how many people actually did. Uh, in fact, I was telling one of the youth the other day that I thought they were like yeast Tamagotchis. But anyway, since the pandemic happened, or the year that felt like a decade, uh, like most of us, I was hunkered down at my house in Pflugerville. I was lucky enough to telework. Uh, I started by making what I called my panic garden in March 2020. And by the end of last year, I had designed and built a full garden structure because I actually ended up liking gardening. I wanted to keep the birds out of my food. Who knew? But, you know, no matter how busy, I kept myself. And I was keeping myself busy making stuff and just trying to keep things happening around my house. I was still missing a lot of things and places to go. And most importantly, people. I see 2020 as my own gap year since I went over a year without really being around people. Uh, one of the activities that really helped me through it was first you keeping us connected with the Zoom services and me trying to be there for the youth that we serve. I mean, it wasn't easy for them or us. I acknowledge a lot of times we were all Zoomed out by the time we got together on Sunday mornings. And, you know, and, and we really kind of enjoyed the unstructured gatherings, our Wednesday night hangouts kind of more because we weren't having to stick to any kind of schedule or, you know, we were just kind of just chatting and getting a chance to check in with each other. But um, I will say that doing the Zoom gave me connections to all the gaps I was having, someone to converse with, commiserate with, encourage through the different struggles of the past year and then some. I feel that our being there for each other really helped us all get through this weirdest time that any of us can remember. I know we're going to look back and go, oh, this weird year. But I really want to thank the youth for being patient with this process and to all our tech team members for making it possible for all of us in the church and the RE programs. I look forward to seeing everybody live when it's safe for us to do so. And as always, I'm so proud of our youth. They, are, they have really risen above this year more than ever. And that's all I have to say. Rebecca Troop. I am one of the bridging youth this year, and this is my homily. A year ago, I was a tumbleweed. I had fallen out with the church I had been born in, blessed in, raised in. I loved to play hide-and-seek in that sanctuary, my shoes far out of sight and my laughs echoing loudly. Every Sunday, the first row was unofficially reserved for the children, who had children's choir taught by my mom before and religious education taught by my friend's parents after. We sang loudly all the songs we had memorized and could recite the covenant by memory. I remember when the church wanted to change the covenant. I hadn't yet learned the complexities and importance of a living document. But I knew I was scared to change the one thing that was the same every single Sunday, no matter who was speaking or the theme. Then we were five awkward 11-year-olds who ate Wednesday night dinners together before a half hour of programming with fun science experiments and playing on a playground that was just a little bit too small for us. I had shot up like a weed with fertilizer in every way. 
And then I was a root-bound 15-year-old, yearning for more than my congregation could ever give me. I was planning rallies and leading worships and meeting youth from all over, and it wasn't enough. I had cracked my pot, and I couldn't wrap my roots into a small enough ball to fit back in. Those in charge were more concerned with the aesthetics from the outside than with the spiritual growth of those they had promised to nurture. So as the world fell apart, my garden did too. The dirt had gone dry, and I could not find water below, no matter how thick my roots got or how deep they went. So I broke free, with no ties and nowhere to root. I had gone adrift. But then, a friend offered me a new pot, in the form of bi-weekly youth groups from across the state in Austin, Texas. The winds that had shaken and stirred the whole world deposited a patch of fertile dirt right in front of me, with a big enough spot just for me. And it was enough. I had a watering can of full full of spirituality, partial shade from the hot Texas sun, and roots below me. I am not an annual flower. I come back year after year, like the perennial prairie sunflower, native to my beloved state, with a new bloom and a fresh fragrant fruit. I long to offer shade like the oak behind me, but who will shade me? I want to be a tree taller than any other, but the canopy is so thick. I cannot bend my trunk to make it through. I almost collapse under the weight of all of my branches and all of the weight they carry, every leaf both taking and giving energy. Did you know that in places where it regularly snows, the branches shed their leaves so less snow can stick on and add weight to their branches? As a native Texan who could count on my ten fingers the number of times my home had been snowed on, I did not. I had never seen a tree with no branches if a snow had come too early and too heavy. It is a defense mechanism for the trees to shed the leaves, the very things that keep them alive so they may live long enough to make more leaves, and the cycle continues. I have so many branches and blooms and leaves. But the fall of this cycle of my life is fast approaching. So, as I sit in front of a camera to record this homily, I am dropping my leaves in a beautiful display of color, a last hurrah of my time as a youth, as a why are you you are, as someone who is rooted in your church, without many of you ever noticing. Being a youth means so many things, more than I can name or even imagine. Possibilities are infinite, while time is limited. I have grown so much over the past four years, changed shape and direction and goals. And that does not stop when I finish walking across this summer long bridge. I have been reincarnated over and over again, taking the wisdom from my past micro life of a week or a month or a year. And this is just one benchmark of how tall my tree has grown and how far my branches have spread. I will continue shooting up like a weed long past when my growth plates have cemented. I do not know what shape I will take next, but I am excited to see what color my blooms are. And I'm excited for you to see too. Thank you.
Last year was a mind-bending journey. The emotional whiplash, isolation, social and political upheaval, and undeniable strangeness of shifting our entire lives onto computer screens made for periods of time in my experience where I truly did not know how to connect with reality. Some days felt almost peaceful, while most were filled with a nameless, anxious buzzing. As someone with a non-essential job, I was privileged to be able to stay at home and safe from the virus. That made me lucky and also cut me off from almost everything I hold dear. However, one extremely bright spot in all the muck has been our beloved church. The level to which our church rose to the occasion of this calamity, one that we will be processing for years to come, is extraordinary. I'm so proud of and grateful for this community. I will admit that Zoom and email fatigue is real, and I experienced this to various extents with my work for the church this year, and I wish I could have been more involved in certain ways. I know that I could have availed myself of more church resources and that they could have helped. But above all, what the church gave me this year, something which was in short supply everywhere else, was hope. Knowing that individuals at our church were working to keep the lights on, to provide programming to our youth, to create incredible services each week, and essentially operate as normal as possible while keeping our congregation safe, was like seeing the stars come out at night. The darkness is real, but the lights are persistent. They hold up the sky. And I know that in the years to come, we will look back at all the good that work did and see that, although the times were incredibly tough, it prevented a lot of terrible things from happening. Collectively, the world is experiencing previously unseen levels of PTSD, anxiety, depression, and burnout. I know that this community and the unflagging hope that it provided absolutely lessened those things in my life. I have never been prouder to be a Unitarian Universalist or a member of this church. Beyond seeing how hard the church administrators work to maintain our community, what gave me even more hope was seeing and experiencing the resilience of our youth. I often reflect that had I gone through something like this at their age, I would have fallen into despair. Though they have been open about their struggles and have exhibited brave vulnerability, they've also looked head on at this crisis with wisdom far beyond their years. To say they've inspired me is an understatement. I know they will carry the strength with them alongside their emotional honesty and courage for their whole lives. And they should know that we will be here to support them, even as they leave to make their ways in the world. Hi, my name is Isla Ferguson. Many of you probably know me. Many of you probably don't. Um... I've been attending First Church of Austin since I was four years old, uh, which was 14 years ago. Ooh. <laughs> Many of you probably remember that precocious little girl with the shock of corn silk blonde hair um, chatting with adults at their level, always getting a bagel after Sunday services. Um... I was always told I was mature for my age uh, when I was younger. I, I was an only child, and my parents had me when I, they were in their 40s, so I grew up around a lot of older kids and mainly a lot of adults. Um, 
I always took mature as a compliment. I, I think it is a compliment. I think it still is a compliment. It's a pretty loaded compliment, and it's a lot to live up to. Uh, as I sort of entered fourth, fifth grade middle school, <clears throat> I started taking it a little too seriously. I... I always thought, oh, I, I'm way mature. Like, I'm... Why would I be friends with these people? They're so immature. They don't even read. I was a very avid reader. <laughs> I read probably a book a day. Um, I spent a lot of my time alone. And part of it, I think, was because I was subject to some pretty bad bullying. But I think part of it was self-inflicted. I thought I was too good for everyone else I knew. Um, and it is now, in the final 24 days of my childhood, that I'm realizing it's okay to act my age. I'm a teenager. I turn 18 <laughs> in, in 24 days, on August 31st. And I am expected to act like an adult, not even a young adult, uh, an adult adult. I can work a full-time job. I can take out loans. I can uh, join a dating app. Um, I can't have a drink of alcohol. But I can die for my country. <laughs> Uh, it feels a little skewed when you put it like that, um, but that's how it is. Uh, but I'm, I'm not an adult. I am a teenager. I'm in my pajamas filming this. I am running on some Cheddar Jack Cheez-Its and a Thai iced tea. I forgot to take my mat, my meds today, um, so my mom had to bring them to work, which was very embarrassing. I, uh, you can't see because I have about an inch of concealer all over my face to hide the fact that I got one of the worst sunburns of my life um, in Santa Cruz simply because I didn't put sunscreen on. I just didn't put sunscreen on. <laughs> um... Teenagers are irresponsible. We're, we're bad drivers. We worry about everything. We overthink what people will think of us. We care what other people will think of us. Our, our minds are constantly occupied with boys and girls and non-binary people. And what is our gender? And what pronouns do I use? What's my sexuality? We're trying to figure ourselves out. And... Something that's been really detrimental to that process has been the depiction of being a teenage teenager in media, having, you know, 25-year-old actors playing 15-year-olds. I feel, and this is going to sound pretty funny to a lot of y'all since you're older than me and presumably still living your lives, I feel that the most exciting part of my life is over. I have never had a, a teen romance. I've never been to a house party. I have been to one house party. 
Sorry for lying to you all. I never stuck with a sport. I don't have many hobbies. I feel as though I failed at being a teenager. There's a line in the song Edith Piaf Said It Better Than Me by Sparks that says, live fast, die young. Too late for that. Too late for that. And <laughs> when I heard those lyrics, uh, it hit me like a brick. I realized, uh-oh, that's how I feel. And I'm 17 years old. Um, but that's okay. Teenagers are irrational. We're fidgety. I've been fidgeting with this the whole time. How unprofessional is that? I'm a mess. I'm sunburned. I'm recording this at the last possible second. But I wanted to present myself like this to y'all. You who have fostered my growth as a, into a young adult. <laughs> as weird as that is to say. But... I'm I'm messy. I'm raw. I'm I'm a teenager. And that's okay. So I'll see you in 24 days. I'll see you in 24 days. We gather here to celebrate the lives before us and what is to come for the youth in our congregation. Unitarian Universalists honor milestones like these to celebrate as a community and witness each other's growth and development in body, mind, and spirit. Today, we honor three people as they move from being a youth to becoming a young adult. Rebecca Throop, Elm Markert, and Isla Ferguson. We also honor and celebrate our eighth graders as they graduate middle school and begin their high school journeys. Today, we're welcoming Colin Schaefer, Ben Walther, and Ivy Spate. We're glad to have Colin with us tonight, and I think Ben might join us a little later. Moving from middle school to high school is a very exciting time that can also create a little uncertainty and maybe even some anxiety, especially in these uniquely uncertain times. High school will be full of new experiences and discoveries, and while you are journeying into these adventures, your church family is here to encourage, support, and love you along the way. During high school, we hope you dream big. There will be times when you fall short of your own expectations. When it gets hard, remember that here at First UU, you have a community that loves you, that will hold you, and that you always have a place here where you belong. To mark your entrance to high school, we have sent you a kaleidoscope, a reminder that things will always shift and change, but you can find beauty wherever you find yourself. High schoolers, let's make a bridge to welcome Colin, Ben, and Ivy, our newest members of the high school youth group. This bridging ceremony is not a farewell but rather a celebration of these beautiful souls that have developed before our eyes into young adults. This is an opportunity for us to recognize these youth, to bow to their successes thus far, to acknowledge them for all that they are and all that they bring to this wor world, and to surround them in love as they move toward what is yet to come. It is an opportunity 
to make sure they know that no matter where they go, far from here or next door, there will always be a place that they can call home, a place where they belong. This ritual also honors the dedication of this religious community to provide a liberal spiritual home for all of our children. We also recognize the love and support of their families, the commitment of teachers and advisors, and the contributions of time, money, and support of every member of our congregation. Without this dedication, we would not be here. Rebecca, Elm, Isla, together we see you, we love you, and we are in awe of who you are. Who you are right now is enough, just as you are. And yet, you are not finished. You will do more and be more wherever your path takes you because life and learning continues wherever you go. We celebrate you, your presence among us and in the world. And parenthetically, I've learned so much from you. Thank you for teaching me. (laughs) We celebrate this community that you enrich by your vibrant presence. The bridging ceremony is a rite of passage that welcomes these bright and energetic people into the blessings and responsibilities of adult life. The bridge has two sides. One is childhood and adolescence, where they have become leaders and role models for their younger friends and acquaintances. The other side is exciting and a vast frontier of the unknown, full of boundless opportunities and new challenges. We, the adult members of this church community, also stand on the other side. We stand on the other side with our arms open to welcome them, our minds prepared to mentor and learn with them, and our hearts prepared to share life together with them. Next, I will call your names to recognize you as an adult member of the congregation and begin your new journey. If your parents are here or listening, or with you, I should say, you can present the gifts that we've mailed when your name is called, or if you're where, where you have it, you can open it now. Rebecca Troop. Elm Markert, Isla Ferguson. It is our tradition to present each Bridging youth with a chalice. It is my privilege and pleasure on behalf of the congregation to present you with a chalice as a token of our love and care for you. It also carries our wish that your future be rich and rewarding. While we're honoring you here, the first UU Young Adult Group is in another Zoom meeting waiting to welcome you on the other side of the bridge. You'll find the meeting ID for that Zoom on the back of the card included with your chalice. May you be brave enough to expose your aching woundedness and reveal your vulnerability. May you speak your deepest truths, knowing that they will change as you do. May you sing the music within you, composing your own melody, playing your song with all your heart. May you draw, paint, sculpt, and sew, showing the world your vision, May you write letters, poetry, biography, slogans, graffiti, the great novel, laying bare your words to love and hate. May you love even though your heart breaks again and again until the end of your days. May your life be filled with the possibilities and courage. Rebecca, Elm, Isla, We say goodbye to you now as we send you off to be welcomed into the young adult group. Let's make a bridge to symbolize the transition you are making. You can go ahead and use that link to go to the other meeting. Welcome.
Yes. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. High schoolers. We bless you today. May your mind be on fire with wonder and wisdom. May your heart be aflame with love for this life. May your hands be ignited with purpose. And may your spirit be aglow with courage and compassion. You are a light unto the world. Amen and blessed be. Join me in saying the words by which we extinguish our chalice, which are in your order of service. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Our eyes and minds turn now toward the ordinary. Leaving this space made sacred by our presence, Take with you at least some seed of understanding, hope, and courage, and drop it into the confusion of the world. Nourish the seed, that it might grow as a tree of life, giving shelter to the wary and hope to the despairing. Be yourself a branch of the tree of life. Norman V. Taylor This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.